0: Hi, this is Jeffrey Weissman. I played George McFly in Back to the Future 2 and 3, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond.
1: Thank you for joining me for another edition of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrack. This is episode 518 of the show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, it's the 30th anniversary of Back to the Future 2. And we have guest Jeffrey Weissman, who played... George McFly in Back to the Future 2 and 3. And of course, like I said, it's the 30th anniversary of Back to the Future 2. So he's going to be telling us all kinds of things about the, sh- the movie and the things he was in besides Back to the Future and all sorts of inside stuff. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Get ready. It is time. And uh, some of you may be wondering where I've been. Uh, of course, Bonji Bear and the Kingdom of Rhythm, we were hurrying to get that done. And we got it done, got it into a uh, couple of festivals, and we still have more coming away. We're going to be, you know, getting that out, and I'm still going to be busy with that. But uh, we got an episode coming your way, so get ready. Jeffrey Weissman coming up in a few minutes, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness. A reboot, remake, whatever you want to call it, of Candyman. 2020 is going to be coming your way. Tony Todd will be back in the movie. And, of course, the original was back from 1992. November 15th, you can look for the remake of Charlie's Angels to swing into theaters. And the remake of The Grudge will arrive in theaters on January 3rd, 2020. Being in January, yeah. Not a good sign, but we'll see what happens. And upcoming new movies next. Get ready for it right here on On Screen and Beyond. Upcoming new movies, it looks like Will Smith will star in a biopic for Netflix called The Council, and it's about a mob kingpin from the 70s. And Sylvester Stallone is going to be starring in a superhero thriller called Samaritan as a young boy, not him as a young boy, but there will be a young boy that uh, sets out to find out if a mythical superhero who vanished 20 years ago is still alive. Chances are Sylvester's going to be the superhero. And that's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, take you down to Sequel City to find out what's coming your way as far as sequels. Sequel City, well, the executive producer of the TV show of... Uh, The Bourne movies, you know, remember that, Uh, but the TV show guy is uh, saying that another Bourne film is in the works. We don't have too many details yet, but just wanted to let you know about that. We'll let you know as soon as we hear more. Eddie Murphy says he's working on making Beverly Hills Cops 4, and he says it will come after Coming to America 2 comes our way. And let's see, Matrix 4 is in the works, and Keanu Reeves is going to star in that. That's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen Be on, TV on DVD. TV on DVD, well, a piece of TV history comes our way on October 8th. The short-lived 1980s comeback attempt by Lucille Ball and Gail Gordon to TV arrives on Blu-ray. And uh, it's going to be having five never-before-seen episodes in the series that uh, was called Life with Lucy. Now, uh, that, of course, like I say, they had been, Gail Gordon and Lucille Ball had done, of course, things back in the uh, 60s and uh, maybe the 70s, too. I can't quite remember. But anyways, um, so she tried to come back again in the 80s and it didn't quite make it, but we will be able to get to see that and the episodes that weren't shown on Life with Lucy, the complete series. And Deadwood, the movie, hits DVD and Blu-ray on October 8th and October 19th. Look for Farscape, the complete series on Blu-ray as it arrives to celebrate its 20th anniversary. And that's it for TV on DVD, next on On Screen and Beyond Movies on DVD. Movies on DVD, November 12th, Angry Birds Movie 2, hits DVD, Blu-ray, 4K, but on October 29th, you can get it digitally. October 22nd, you can get the Daniel Craig collection of Bond films on 4K, Ultra HD, and November 5th, Hobbes and Shaw will be landing on 4K, Blu-ray, and DVD. And uh, before that, though, October 15th, you can get the early release on digital. That's it for Movies on DVD. Next on Screen to be Beyond, TV and Entertainment Time. <laughs> TV and Entertainment Time. Well, it looks like the spring of 2020 will debut the third Walking Dead series. Okay, so you got Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, and then the new one coming in the spring of 2020. And TNT's clause will end after Season 4 in 2020. And Stranger Things, well, it's been renewed for a fourth season. That's not really a surprise. And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it looks like Jeffrey Weissman is going to be joining us. He played George McFly on Back to the Future 2 and 3. And it's the 30th anniversary of Back to the Future 2, so uh, we're going to find out all kinds of stuff about that and about actor Jeffrey Weissman next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, our guest is an actor known for his role as George McFly in Back to the Future 2 and 3. He also was in Pale Rider with Clint Eastwood, and he has an acting school in Berkeley, California. He will be at the Orinda Theater in Orinda, California on Thursday, October 10th at 7 p.m., celebrating the 30th anniversary of Back to the Future 2. It's Jeffrey Weissman. Jeffrey, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Hi, Brian. It's
0: great to be here. Jeffrey, can you believe that it's been 30 years? Uh, no. <laughs> I, it's impossible. I, I'm not aging that fast. Well, I guess, you know, you, you're there with me. We're all aging together. It's weird. That's for sure. <laughs> but uh, that's
1: such an iconic film. I mean, every, it's, you know, the first one, the second one, the third one, they were all great films, and uh, everybody loved them. Uh, did you know, going into that, taking over the role of George McFly, that you know a lot of times the second one is, eh, you know, it's not quite the
0: same and everything. But people love this one. I, I knew that the film was uh, being talked about. Uh, the Indian the Hollywood reporter was were reporting that you know Buddy was already on board to reprise their roles. And it having been the top-grossing film of '85, uh, I knew that it wasn't going to be uh, a schlock job, or a slap together type thing because of the quality of the the folk that were part of the first film.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Now, did you? How did this come about that you you got that role? I uh, just lucky, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but What happened was that I had. Uh, played in various films and TV roles, and in between, I fell into playing uh, classic comic Hollywood icons at Universal Studios. If any of your listeners went to Universal in Hollywood between 87 and 2001 and had their picture with Stan Laurel or Groucho Marx or Charlie Chaplin, it may have been me. Wow! Um, So I was performing up there on the hill, and I got a call from a friend who... Had a look-alike agency who actually got me the Stan Laurel gig uh, or opportunity, and he asked if I knew who Crispin Glover was, and I said, "Absolutely, you know, I did a film with him at the American Film Institute the year before he got the first Back to the Future film, and I thought he was a great actor, and I thought he knocked it out of the park in, in Back to the Future One." And he uh, he said, "Well, do do you think you look like him?" And I said, "Not at all." <laughs> uh, are you the same height not really he's a little taller than me uh, he said well and I, I said was this for the sequel uh, to Back to the Future and he said well I'm not at liberty to say I was like uh huh get me in there <laughs> let me let me uh, interview let's see what they need because uh, I actually needed to get my uh, Screen Actors Guild medical coverage at the time my, my ex-wife was having our second child and I needed my medical uh, hours as to her and uh, so I, I Got the interview with the assistant director, and then met with casting, and then I was going for makeup fittings and of the prosthetics uh, that made me resemble Crispin, Uh, and I figured in my mind they needed George, the character, in two places at the same time. Like, you know, you see Michael in part two, uh, up on the catwalk while Michael or Marty from part one is down on the, the uh, stage playing guitar down below, you know, that type of thing mm-hmm. with the Georgian multiple places. Yeah. And, uh, it was actually after the screencast, uh, that my makeup man, uh, told me that Crispin wasn't returning. I was, I couldn't fathom how they were going to do it without Crispin. And, and I figured Crispin whose star was rising at that time, he did a knockout job on, on, uh, river's edge and, the Doors movie, and so on and so forth, and I figured he couldn't get out of another film that he was shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, when news came to me that I was playing George, uh, I kind of was dumbstruck. <laughs> I, mean, I did not, uh, how are they going to do this? Well, obviously, as history has shown, uh, playing age 17, George, in, in the 55 scenes that we had to remake from part one, mm-hmm. they spliced... Uh, Crispin footage in with my work, knocking Biff out and kissing Lorraine on the dance floor, and a lot of the public still don't realize that that's not Crispin, mostly in, the, in that film. Mm-hmm. And then as old George uh, hanging upside down in 2015, uh, it, it, was, uh, it was very exciting, of course, for me to be on that set with such great talent. Um, cool. The controversy, of course, with them making me up as Crispin lookalike uh, without his permission was a shock to me. I, I didn't expect... Mm-hmm. That they, that production didn't have his permission, so when he he sued, um, it was uh, you know a bit of a trial for for everyone involved in the production. Where everyone was deposed. And luckily, you know it settled before it went to court. He got his three quarters of a million dollars, and but he still kind of holds a bitter grudge, which is too bad. Yeah, and and the producer still is uh, upset with him and bitter. And I'm trying to encourage both sides to you know get it together for a reunion or do something fun. For uh, Michael J. Fox's Parkinson's Research Foundation, right? Yeah. Raise some money instead of being spiteful. Yeah,
1: yeah. Huh. So y- y- you mentioned about being upside down. Uh, were you? Was it just
0: for a few minutes, or was this? Uh, oh you know, yeah, in, in <laughs> did you I, pass out? I think you see. I think you see me upside down for all of a minute and a half. I have t- camera time, but uh, um, no, I was upside down for several weeks. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, the the track they had me on, Old George came in, the track ran through the soundstage outside of the front door of the McFly 2015 home. And this is Jennifer and Marty's home. Uh, Through the front door, through the living room, through the dining room, and into the kitchen. And and even uh, a special effect that wasn't used in the film where I was in a body suit, uh, a body cast that my costume was on over, had a pipe going out of the back of it that went through the set. Uh, so a teamster could spin me on cue when Lorraine pulls the pizza out of the hydrometer, mm-hmm. um, that four second pe- pepperoni pizza. Yeah. <laughs> and says, uh, she says, uh, George, rotate your axis for dinner. And I, I do a golf swing and do my best, to uh, Glover, uh, laugh and go, okay, four. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's a very funny bit, but it didn't stay in the final cut. Uh, huh. Yeah, so that, that's got to be
1: the first time in your whole career—I mean, in the, in the probably the last time—that you spent so much time upside down on a, on a shoot. <laughs> uh, yes,
0: yeah, I've I've had some challenging shoots where I've been in ice cold water and uh, uh, up on top of mountaintops where it's ten below. During a shoot, you know, I've I've been into uh, through some rough shoots, but uh, that was you know, the first time, uh, and hopefully the last time that I'm hung upside down for a couple of weeks. <laughs> the glamour of Hollywood, right? <laughs> yeah, although you know, at one point, one of the crew came over and said, "I think all this t- torture was meant for Crispin, you know, the hanging upside down, because <laughs> uh, he caused a lot of trouble for production on the first film." Uh, so the stories go, mm-hmm. and and you know. They, they wanted to give it back to him, and I, w- I was the lucky actor who, who stepped in the shoes. <laughs>
1: Jeez. <laughs> so, now, did you know, after you got the role, that you would be making a third film,
0: or was that well, the, not known? two and three were part of the same script. It was originally called uh, Paradox, and then finally got fleshed out to be Back to the Future 2 and Back to the Future 3, and uh, I was told that I would probably get a role in Part 3 without all the prosthetic makeup uh, for all the rigmarole that I, I was got going going through on Part 2, uh, but it, it never uh, materialized. Yeah. And I did have one day on Part 3 when Marty Clint Eastwood comes back from the Old West and uh, they're at the McFly household. Hmm. Yeah. Now, where we're going to be doing a block party in October this this month uh, uh, there's a a fundraiser called we're going back celebrations as fan celebration, and it's a fundraiser for the parkinson's foundation and at the mcfly home in atwater uh there's going to be a block party wow. on uh, i think it's october 25th something something like that wow that's 26th nice. maybe that's nice um, i, I rec- recommend visiting uh We're going back fan celebrations online. You can read all about it. We have probably, I don't know, 20 or more of the cast and crew uh, over four days visiting all the uh, sites we shot at and uh, uh, an enchantment under the sea dance and, like, that that block party. It's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Wow, yeah. We'll be back with more of our guests right after this short break.
0: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Huh. huh.
1: Now, you, uh, here you are in Back to the Future uh, 2, and Clint would Comes or three comes into the picture on three, and uh, you actually worked with Clint Eastwood, right?
0: Back in yes, and I, ironically, I just did a celebration of Back to the Future Part Three up where they shot it in Sonora and Jamestown up in the Sierra foothills, and one of the locals up there got his hands on the letter that production sent to Clint Eastwood asking for his. Permission to use his name in the film. Mm-hmm. I just got a copy of that letter, which is ironic. Wow. Um, <laughs> yes, I was very, very lucky when the first Back to the Future film was shooting. I was making Pale Rider with Clint outside of Ketchum, Sun Valley, Idaho, <laughs> and that—that that was the film I was referring to, where we're on the top of a mountain most of the time, with really we're exposed to all the elements, and with the wind chill factor, it was constantly about ten below. Wow, <laughs> that, that, that was one cold shoot. <laughs> Jeez.
1: yeah.
0: Now, you must have been
1: thrilled uh, to be in Pale Rider, too. I mean, did you go to an open call for that, to get that
0: role? No, no. I, uh, I had a very good agent who got me in. They, uh, to, In a nutshell, Chris Penn, Sean Penn's little brother, the late, great Chris Penn, uh, had met Clint at a party and said, I want to work with you, and Clint sent Chris, the Pale Rider's script offering him the role of Eddie Conway. And Chris kind of threw it back and said, I want to play a good guy, I want to play a bad guy. So he moved Chris over into the La Hood son's, uh, Richard Dysart's character's son's role, and the actor who was playing Teddy Conway was moved into Eddie. So they had an opening in the cast that they needed right away because they were in pre-production ready to go into the shoot. And my agent had a good... Uh, relationship with Lauren Lloyd and Marion Doherty, the, the casting folk over at Warner Brothers, and uh, just so happened I, I fit the the needs. They thought they were going to cast from their own files, and I went in there, and I kind of didn't leave anything to chance. I, I've studied various types of acting technique, and I had some methods since memory work. I had a rock a of my beloved grandmother's hair in my pocket i had my fantasy charging meisner technique you know imagining uh my father's death what because in the audition i had to cry over spider's body uh. and was put on tape and sent to clint and uh, fritz fritz manz the late great fritz manz the uh, producer of the film uh, liked what i did clint liked what i did and, and the next thing i knew i was on a plane heading to idaho hmm wow that's
1: <laughs> that that must have been something when you got the news that you were going to do that role
0: Jeez. yeah i was i was tickled it was a, a really lovely ensemble to be a part of i've been very fortunate in my career on twilight zone movie yes uh george miller put together a fantastic uh, ensemble uh for our nightmare at Twenty Thousand feet remake with John lithgow and then again the ensemble on Johnny Dangerously, the the ensemble on Pale Rider, the ensemble and Back to the Future. I've been very lucky to be part of some some really great casts, lots of talent.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, I, I was going to get to this eventually, but since you brought it up, Johnny Dangerously. Now, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're going to get, you'll know now what what kind of humor I like because I loved Johnny Dangerously. <laughs> I,
0: I thought that movie was a riot. <laughs> You you would have loved the, the cast party. I, um, I couldn't go to the cast party because I was barely making a living, and I uh, was mostly making my living uh, at the time catering. And it just so happened the catering company I worked for got the cast party at 20th Century Fox. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm acting as a waiter, and I'm bringing Amy, heckling her drink, and Michael Keaton, his drink, and... I saw right in front of me, Michael leaned over to Amy and pointed at me and says, wasn't he in the film? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you guys. But they showed at that rap party the cut musical numbers. You know, the, I think Mary Lou Henner's number stayed in the film. There might have been one other one, but uh, but there were a bunch of musical numbers. And I, at the rap party, we learned why they were cut, because no one could sing. I mean, they could sing, but they were often off-tempo or out-of-key or it mm. just wasn't working. And, but it was hilarious to yeah. see. And I don't know if anyone has that footage of those musical numbers with uh, uh, the great uh, Maureen Stapleton doing a number and Joe Piscopo singing and Keaton trying to sing. It was uh, really fun. Yeah. It was a fun set to be uh, on.
1: Yeah, I mean, every time I see that movie, I just crack right up because it's just such a riot. I mean, jeez. <laughs> now, uh, I wanted to jump back to... What what as far as I know was one of the f- couple of the first things you were in, um, basically three music oriented films, uh, one being FM, and yes. I want to hold your hand,
0: and Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Yeah, I I was just out of high school. My my parents did not want me to become an actor, and uh, I couldn't get it out of my system. I had to do it, and at that time. There was a company that, if you paid them a fee, they would get you in these pretty much uh, crowd shots mm-hmm. and, yep. in different movies. And that's basically what I was doing. I was only 17 or 18 years old. And I think my first one, I think the first one was FM. Uh, or, hmm. No, it was The Rose. I think it was The Rose with Bette Midler. Um, and I remember Norton Buffalo grabbed my my hat and wore it during the scene uh, on stage, and mm. gave it to me at the end of the day. I was like, at least my hat got some screen time. <laughs> but uh, uh, and, and one of the things I remembered on FM in the at the Universal backlot where we I'm in the crowd, the riot scene outside the station where Martin Mole <clears throat> Eileen Brennan uh, are up on the like, kind of top of a building and inciting the, the crowd to riot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all had to have these tickets when we wanted to go eat because apparently there was, they called it the Phantom of the Backlot. There was a disgruntled teamster living on the backlot and beating up the cleaning people and eating with the cast and crews of different shoots. Oh, (laughs) jeez. And they were going to catch him. If he didn't have a ticket, they knew he was the guy, I guess. Um, (laughs) uh, Universal history is colorful. Anyway, uh, (laughs) That, w- that was fun because Martin Mull, you know, late into the wee hours of the morning, uh, he kept all the extras and support players happy with his wonderful sense of humor. He was a very lovely man. Um, and then uh, on I Want to Hold Your Hand, which was one of Zemeckis first films, mm-hmm. uh, we're in the uh, back lot in Burbank, and it's about uh, 110 degrees, and it's supposed to be January in New York. Outside the Beatles' hotel, yeah. So between every shot, they have to water down the, the sidewalk, and and uh, you know all these extras are bundled up, screaming, you know, Paul, George, Ringo. I was a Ringo fan, mm-hmm. and and they started dropping like flies because <laughs> they were getting overheated. <laughs> and uh, and Zemeckis, I don't think likes directing uh, crowd scenes. Um, he doesn't like crowds very much, is my understanding. And uh, so he brought in some guy named Steven Spielberg to direct us. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's Steven up there on the ladder. Okay, hi, Steve. Just some guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then on Sgt. Pepper's, I'm in various scenes. Uh, I play Strawberry Field's brother when they go off and the band goes off in the hot air balloon. Um, and then I'm uh, in the Earth, Wind, and Fire crowd and I'm, where else? I've, I think I have one or two other. But the, the, uh, my, my, glimpse you barely see me in is in the very dark scene in uh, Alice Cooper's uh, lair where he's turning the, the he's brainwashing the Boy Scouts uh, and the and the band is sneaking through us and I got to do some dance moves in that and and uh, I remember one of the dancers very very lovely uh, blonde girl named Cheryl uh, the first couple of days I was on set I just was really happy to meet this girl she was very lovely and friendly and on the third day um, I, I reported the set, saw her but went right up to her and we had had Alice on the video screen he wasn't there in person until this third day and sure enough when I got up to Cheryl she said oh Jeffrey oh, I'd like you to meet my husband Alice <laughs> Wow! <laughs> and my little heart just went oh okay fine fine it's good hi Alice wow uh, <laughs> so, it, it, now
1: uh, with these movies that you had done uh were was, was the intention that you wanted to be in acting at that time or was it just you know on a whim that you you got to go, go and be a, you know an extra in these films well
0: i was dying to get my foot on a set i wanted to experience what it's like to be on a, a big studio set and, uh, and that's exactly what i was doing and about this time, I also auditioned to be in uh, one of Neil Simon's. Uh, it was Brighton Beach Memoirs, or well, something that he was uh, premiering uh, downtown in Los Angeles. And the artistic director, I'm not sure if it was Gordon Hunt, you know, uh, Helen Hunt's dad, or, or Gordon Davidson, one of the Gordons, mm-hmm. uh, liked my audition. He said, "You got talent." But you need training. You've got to get training on your, on your resume. He recommended the American Conservatory Theater. Uh. So I eventually got my butt up to San Francisco and, and got into the American Conservatory Theater and was taking... Uh, I, I took a, a very intensive uh, program through the summer of uh, 80, 81 and continued in immediate studies at San Francisco State University And was headed back into the advanced program to get my master's when opportunity knocked. I actually uh, went to an open call for a film called The Genius. They were looking for a young actor, and uh, the director and and casting director of that uh, liked me enough from the open call, this cattle call of five hundred guys, to give me a screen test and. at that time, the, this film, The Genius, was uh, had attached uh, Warren Oates, and then Warren Oates passed. And I think the executives couldn't decide whether or not forward with this film because the film went into turnaround where it lost its backing. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the interim, while waiting to see if I was going to have the screen test or not, this agent pursued me and signed with me and agreed to negotiate... Um, my screen test, my, my contract before the screen test. Finally, the, the film got back on track. Uh, Martin Brest was the director and the name of the film changed to war games. And I tested with Ali Sheedy the same day as Eric Stoltz and Dana Carvey and a lot of other great, wonderfully talented actors. Wow. And none of us got it. Of course, as we know, it went to Matthew Broderick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, ended up having to move back to Los Angeles and, uh, had a 20-year run at Hollywood there with um, my first co-starring role being in in, uh, Twilight Zone movie. Uh, And about a year after the War Games, uh, I was also being considered and was going to screen test for the lead in Lady Hawk. Yeah. And and Matthew came down in this price apparently, when I was actually on my way to the studio for my my screen test, Uh which was too bad because I'd done a lot of Renaissance fairs and I was... I had my uh, my middle middle English down. I was going to rock that one. Hmm. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah.
1: <laughs> now, now you mentioned when you when you were starting out there that somebody mentioned that you know you need some training. But now, all these years later, you're doing the training, right? You're
0: you're teaching acting. I do. I I um, teach at uh, the San Francisco Acting Academy. At the Bay Area Professional Actors Studio in Berkeley, I've taught at Sonoma State and Dominican and other um, many other schools. The Luther Zawa High School for the Performing Arts. Uh, I love mentoring. I've, I also teach via Skype. I have students in Alaska and Colorado and on the East Coast, where, wherever um, wherever I'm needed, I'll I'll try to help. I. Um, you know, after forty-five years of of plugging away, I can help those who have it in their hearts. You know, um, try to get a grip on on what they need to do. Yeah, and you know, business acting and then also, of course, on camera technique. I've I've studied with a lot of different coaches, and and have tools. Uh, I don't believe that one size fits all. That uh, in the cookie cutter type of acting because everyone's wired differently and and i think actors should expose themselves to some action choices Stella adler or some uh, fantasy charging meisner or some sense memory lee strasberg or maybe physicalization jacques lecoq and or uh grotowski you know they, you need to uh i think feel your way and what what resonates for you and uh that's that's the kind of teacher i am mm-hmm. yeah. now you mentioned earlier where uh
1: some you were in one of your films. Uh, somebody uh, for Pale Rider, I think you said you had said was that uh, you know this actor went was given that role, but they were going to be the other one. Then somebody else jumped into that role. Does that happen very much where people jump around just before productions actually starts?
0: Uh you know it's it's crazy. The you never know. Uh, you know I mentioned Martin Brest who wasn't the final director on War Games. He, he got replaced because his producer, I think, had a falling out with the studio, and uh, he got fired a couple weeks into shoot, shooting and, of course, went on to Beverly Hills Cop and Son of a Woman and so many other great films. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, in Beverly Hills Cop, it was originally going to be Sylvester Stallone. Really? Yeah, it wasn't always Eddie Murphy. Eddie, I think, came in at the 11th hour. Of course, that film launched him into the film world. Right, yeah, wow. No, you know, <laughs> castings, um, you, you know, Casablanca was originally, uh, I think, Ronald Reagan and, and Nancy. Hmm. Um, <laughs> the uh, W.C. Fields was the original idea for Wizard of Oz, for The Wizard, and uh, Shirley, Shirley Temple for Dorothy. You know, the, uh, if you look at, uh, there's a gentleman named Michael Clastron who's part of the We're Going Back event, one of the producers, and he w- was our publicist, on Back to the Future 2 and 3, and he wrote a wonderful Back to the Future coffee table book, Uh, and in it, he has the call sheets for some of the auditions, and Johnny Depp auditioned for George McFly. Really? (laughs) Yeah, and and, and we all know about Eric Stoltz being the original, um, because Michael wasn't available. Michael, um, Mike Fox was during the first season of Family Ties and Meredith Baxter-Burney was pregnant the producers of Back to the Future actually went to the producers of Family Ties and said we want Michael for this film and they said you can't have him Meredith our lead actress is going to have a baby anytime. we need all our actors available so sorry and so the studio kind of shoved Derek Stoltz on uh, Zemeckis and Company and it just wasn't working with Eric he wasn't funny he's a good dramatic actor but Mm -hmm. the comedy wasn't there the chemistry wasn't there that they were going for they always wanted Michael and then after eight weeks of shooting she had had her baby and they let Eric go and so Michael became available and they had started over now the studio said you know because you spent eight weeks with this other actor you need to cut a million dollars off your budget if you're going to have Fox after all and so they cut the original way that Marty got back from eighty uh, from fifty five to eighty five, and a lot of people don't know this that oh. the the lightning hit, hitting the clock tower was not the it was back. It wasn't. What, huh? no. Uh, I think they tribute to it in the last Indiana Jones film. Uh, Marty actually finds himself in Nevada at a an atomic test site. And if you remember the movie playing inside the movie at the theater was the atomic kid in a Mickey Rooney film. Okay. Uh, they were tying it all in. Marty drives the DeLorean time machine, gets it up to 88 miles an hour, just as the a bomb is being dropped to get the 121 gigawatts. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how he gets back to 85 in the original script. I believe.
1: Wow. Huh? That's cool. <laughs> it's, it's always neat to hear the backstories that you know most of us don't know about. Wow. Well, it's it's your show is called Beyond, so that's right. Yeah. Get, yeah. 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 Now, uh, one more question about Back to the Future, um, uh, two um, and three of both of those films. What's your most memorable thing that you can remember from the film? What what struck you most about those films, or know, oh, So many memories. Uh, I
0: you know I, I actually liked part three a little bit better a little bit more than part two and when I tell people that they're like what? and when I'm always asked what's your favorite of the trilogy and of course my favorite is the first film first one was just magnificent mm-hmm. uh, part two is, even though I get the sixth billing in the title uh, card uh, you know which is a thrill for me um, it was so frenetic it was hard to keep up and sometimes confusing and the makeup didn't look right to me at times and But uh, on set, I remember some really fun things. Uh, Example, the day that Lorraine hydrates the pizza for everyone. Uh, The uh, Pizza Hut supplied the the cooks that were behind the set, and the soundstage smelled like pepperoni pizza all day long. In (laughs) fact, it was like a 20 three-hour day or something, that was a very long day, but wow. I don't think anyone wanted to eat pizza for a month after that. <laughs> uh, and and none of the pizza was edible because they had to spray it with a shiny stuff that preserved the look mm, for geez. camera. Uh, I, and my entrance, when old George 2015 comes in, when we were rehearsing, a lot of the, because Crispin didn't come back, I think a lot of the lines for George were being uh, modified or either given to Michael or Lorraine uh, or Leah um, because they didn't know me very well uh, and so I sometimes had to fight to get my lines back and sometimes I came up with things in rehearsal example that spin with the uh, the golf moves uh, and George laughed <laughs> and then outside the front door on a, my entrance uh, because Michael as Marlene my granddaughter uh, is in these hot pants, these orange hot pants with <laughs> And they have stuffed a little bit to give them a, a little bit of a butt. Um, my head was really butt level with him. Yeah, her. With her. Them. So is it proper now to say yeah, they, they yeah, them? Yeah. I'm not sure how Marlene is identifying. Uh, so uh, I came up with, because she had a bit of a pumpkin butt, I came up with the line, How's Granddad's Little Pumpkin? <laughs> so there I got to write something for the uh, for. Posterior, I mean for, for prosperity. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeffrey,
1: this has been fascinating. You know, you, you've shared so many th- things with us, and, and they're it, it, so fascinating to hear them. And uh, if uh, People are in the Arinda, California area on Thursday, October 10th at 7 p.m. Catch the film for the 30th anniversary for free! For free, that's right. And Back to the Future too. And uh, you'll be there, and they'll get to meet you, and I'm sure
0: they'll hear some stories too. And uh, yes, and I'll, I'll have some rare photos. Uh, you can get my signature mm-hmm. on them uh, for a, a minimal fee, mm-hmm. and uh, I always take a, a bit of whatever I. I Bring in and give to the Michael's charity because it really is all about Michael.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and one more thing about uh, your acting uh, in, uh, instructions that you do. Your teaching uh, is there a place where people can go to to a website or something to get
0: information? Yes, currently uh, the uh, Bay Area Professional Actors Studio, uh, bayproact.com dot or Bay Area Professional Actors. Uh, in fact, I'm in rehearsal for a show at the studio I teach at, uh, the Joe Orak Performance Studio. Uh, I'm doing a political drama uh, called Cat's Paw. When the show opens, uh, my character, uh, a low-level EPA bureaucrat, is in his 35th day of captivity. He's been kidnapped by a, an activist terrorist who's uh, fighting for clean water. Even though this was written in the mid eighties, it's a rather still timely piece.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, so catspaw goes up the first two weeks of November in Berkeley and uh, I, I know tickets will be available on brown paper ticket brown paper tickets.
1: Yeah. All right. Well Jeffrey, this has been fun and I really appreciate you taking the time to share with us and
0: uh wish Thanks you for having me on, Brian.
1: Yeah,
0: all right. Thank you very much and I look forward to seeing you in the future.
1: A big thank you going out to Jeffrey Weisman for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. Love those stories. It's just so much fun to hear that, uh, you know, things that he knows that we don't know. And, 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 you know, it's a a lot of fun. Like that. Hope you liked it, too. And uh, so if you get a chance, uh, check out some of those things he was talking about as far as Back to the Future, 30th anniversary of Back to the Future 2. And uh, if you are in the Orinda area. Of course, Lorinda, uh, California. You can see him on Thursday, October 10th at 7 o'clock, celebrating the 30th anniversary of Back to the Future 2. Free, you know, you can watch the movie for free. And uh, Jeffrey's going to be there. You get to talk to him and uh, find out all those stories. I'm sure he'll have a lot more to tell there. And it um, should be a lot of fun. So if you're in the San Francisco area, take the BART, head out to Orinda. And you can uh, uh, check that out and have a have a good time there. Also, mentioning the uh, Orinda Theater in Orinda, California, I will be out there on October, oof, now, what is it, 2025th, I think. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Um, let me double check here for you. Uh, October 25th, yes. <laughs> all right, <laughs> And uh, they will be showing all week long uh, Bonjee Bear and the Kingdom of Rhythm, the animated movie that I wrote and uh, directed and wrote the songs for. And uh, they are going to have a um, little premiere uh, coming up uh, on the 25th. They'll be showing the film. And uh, there will be a bunch of us who are involved with making the film. And we'll be talking about it. So if you are in that area, would love to see you there. And you can uh, check out uh, the Rinder Theater. And uh, they have uh, you can get your tickets ahead of time if you want. Or you can just show up. It's at 7 o'clock. They'll be showing the film. And after, we'll have a Q&A. And uh, I understand Bonji's going to be there, too. So, you know, bring the kids. Have a good time. And, uh, you know, it be, be fun to see you. So, anyways, uh, that's uh, one of the many places that uh, I've been traveling around, going, uh, getting Bonji Bear out there and uh, letting people see it and getting their reactions. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, we'll be, over time here, we'll be going to other places, I'm sure. So we'll keep you informed on that. And uh, then we'll see how it goes from there so anyways uh we'll be having another episode hopefully of on screen and beyond like i say i'm so busy with that right now i haven't had a chance to do too much with uh on screen and beyond but uh we'll be having more and i hope uh you uh, spread the word if uh you know you uh, have some friends who have been wondering did i disappear from the face of the earth or whatever but uh, let them know that uh, there is another episode up, and uh, we'll be having more coming your way. So uh, I haven't haven't gone away yet. But <laughs> like I say, we're still promoting Bonji Bear, so schedule's been real busy. So, and that's it, and that's a wrap. Until next time, when we bring you another episode of On Screen and Beyond. <laughs>